like we never left. It's Double Move Sports. As always, I'm Steph Albiero. I'm here with the fantasy phenom, Alex Lott. This is week three preview. Get hype. We got a lot of great matchups coming up. Alex, are you excited to get into this, man? So many good games this week, Steph. So many good games. We have Seattle and Dallas, uh, Green Bay and the Saints on Sunday night, and the big one, the one we've all been waiting for, the Ravens yes. and the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. We're going to get into that a little bit later on the show. If you like the channel, hit that subscribe button. We've got content coming out all year long. We do you know, weekly rewinds, hit on all the big stories. Um, after the Sunday games conclude, you can expect that to come out on Tuesday or Wednesday. And then as we get into, you know, Thursday through the weekend, we always preview the upcoming week. Um, we're hitting on start sits. We're hitting on big storylines, bounce back players, starts of the week. And as always, we're answering all trade start sit questions, all that good stuff in the comments. So hit that subscribe button, follow along, hit the like button as well. And feel free to reach out to us if you have a question. We like to get back to just about everybody but Steph, if you have nothing else to add, let's go ahead and jump in to some of our week three topics. This first one looks pretty interesting, and I'm I'm eager to hear what you have to say about this player. Well, it's a guy that we were all over in drafts throughout our mocks. We, you know we love the Cowboys. Alex just dropped a fantasy film room breaking down Calvin Ridley. And we, we like all the receivers in a pass-heavy offense like Atlanta. Same thing on the Dallas side of the ball, where all three wide receivers can be productive, are weekly startable options, depending on matchup. But it's Michael Gallup. I know there's been a lot of concerns about him. I know it's a, a good matchup against the Seahawks. We've seen pretty much every game that the Seahawks have been in has been a high-flying shootout. Uh, their defense has, you know, it took the defense finally crumbling a little bit, the Legion of Boom fully being decimated for them to allow Russell Wilson to start cooking. Uh, and he's given us a feast. So I expect more of the same in this game script. So for Michael Gallup, I feel like this is the get right game. He had eight PPR points in week one, seven in week two. Probably not happy with him up to this point. Are you willing to start him? Are you are you projecting a bounce back here? Because I think I am. I am. I'm keeping him in my flex for this week. Steph, we were looking at the schedule before we recorded for Dallas. And it's like it seems like every single week. They're in a matchup that you want all the offensive pieces. And it's because, you know, the division is weak. Obviously, you get a, a non-divisional game here against Seattle, the one last week against Atlanta. But with Dallas, they're one that's just constantly featured in these high-flying shootouts because the defense is weak, the offense is high-powered. Um, and I expect another big week here for all the Cowboys pieces. I'm fine to put Michael Gallup in my flex. I know he's disappointed so far this season. But just a touchdown in either one of those games, like he's always one play away. He's one of these guys that, you know, some players think about like a Golden Tate. You need six, seven targets to get, you know, his floor, which is five or six catches for 50 yards. With Michael Gallup, he can turn a game around in one play. You know, if I'm deciding between two players, sometimes I want to take the upside if I know I'm going to need the points out of my flex spot. So if this is a week where you're going up against a good team, you've got some guys that maybe got injured last week and you need a prayer, a big week. I like Michael Gallup there. I think he's actually a lot safer than other boomer bust options like a Will Fuller um, or even like a Robbie Anderson. I'm still taking Michael Gallup over those guys. I think this is a perfect opportunity for him to get right against Seattle you know, a defense that just gave up 397 passing yards to Cam Newton in the Pats. Yeah, and you think you think Dalton Schultz, a guy that wasn't even on our radar two weeks ago, is going to command 10 targets again in this offense over Michael Gallup? It's not no. happening. It's not happening, especially in this game script. And, I mean, Gallup's been getting some downfield looks. He's really been relegated like we projected with CeeDee Lamb now in the mix. Didn't expect CeeDee Lamb to, to totally turn up the volume and turn up the heat, I should say, right off the bat. And that's where we've seen some of the Gallup uh, point of diminishing returns with him. But I'm willing to plug him back in. I'm not out on him yet. This is probably, like, hopefully you were able to buy low within the last two weeks on Michael Gallup. Because I think once he explodes and he's back on the scene like he never left, I don't know if you're going to be able to buy him at all. Uh, at a low value, you're going to have to pay up. So I'm all over Michael Gallup uh, now and over the next couple of weeks. After the Seattle matchup, they have Cleveland, the Giants, the Cardinals, the Washington football team, uh, and then the Philadelphia Eagles in week eight. So nice little stretch here coming up for the Cowboys and all their pass catchers. I think we're still, I mean, you're starting Amari Cooper every single week. Uh, C.D. Lamb, 
You're going to keep plugging him back in. Yep. I know you are. Absolutely. I love him. I've started him the first two games of the season, which I know is a little <laughs> bit gutsy, but it was it was forced. I, I had some major issues on my squad that I had to cover up, and CD was able to do it. Uh, the Seahawks are getting absolutely gashed by slot receivers, giving up 179 yards just last week to Julian Edelman. In a high-scoring game, C.D. Lamb getting a ton of snaps, 82% of snaps in Week 1, was able to up that last week. I expect him to um, really feast against a beatable Seattle defense. So all three Cowboys wide receivers are full blast in this one. Obviously, you're starting Zeke. Obviously, you're starting Dak. I guess the last piece, I mean, you mentioned him earlier, Steph, on the Dallas side, Dalton Schultz. It's yeah. more of a desperation <laughs> situation, um, but I know he was a hot waiver wire pickup this week. If you spent a lot of fab on him, you probably really needed him. So I guess you're going to have to plug him in. How are you feeling He's about Dalton Schultz? This He's a week? streamer. If you're a guy like me, like you had, I'll yeah. give you a personal example here. You you take shots at the end of your drafts. We're in a 14 team league, our home league. Shout out to all the guys in Sunday's finest. But I took shots at tight end at the end of my draft, and my my shots were Blake Jarwin and Ian Thomas. So now I'm in a tough situation. I've been streaming Logan Thomas the last couple weeks. And Dalton Schultz makes sense if you're in a situation like that where you really have nothing. You're just going off the waiver wire. For me, it's either him or it's Mo Ali cox um, And if you weren't able to get Mo Ali cox who may have already been on our roster, then it's <laughs> Dalton Schultz. Plug him in there. I mean, we didn't love Jarwin just based on his talent. We don't love Dalton Schultz just based on his talent. Schultz gets into the same situation that Jarwin did. I think there's going to be a floor there. He's gonna, not going to see every uh, week a 10-target minimum, but... He'll see decent volume. He'll get the opportunity. He's The tight end is going to be a functional part of that offense. So, Really quickly before we move on, got to correct myself. CeeDee Lamb, 82% of snaps in week one. He 81. did not up it in week two. He had 81% of snaps. So 1% less snaps for CeeDee Lamb, but 80% snap count is pretty solid. So he's essentially on the field all the time for Dallas. I expect that to continue this week. On the other side of the ball in this matchup, the Seattle Seahawks, really not much analysis to be done here. You're starting everybody. If you have them, you're starting them. You're starting Russell Wilson. You're starting Chris Carson, who's been great, getting a ton of pass-catching volume as well, so a nice little bump in PPR leagues that we haven't really seen from him in years past. And then, of course, you're starting Lockett and Metcalf. Anything else to add here? Maybe Greg Olson as a, as a flyer at the tight end spot. Anything else? The Seattle is super easy because it's so clear-cut. Like You start Wilson, DK, uh, Tyler Lockett and Chris Carson you don't start anybody else end of story I don't care what kind of league you're in so unless you have like an age bonus <laughs> you might throw Greg Olson in there but outside of that it's it's pretty cut and dry so we just saw a massive a monster week from Aaron Jones in week two absolutely Crazy. dominant game against Detroit had 45.6 fantasy points 168 rushing yards on 18 attempts that's a 9.3 yard per carry he had two touchdowns on the ground and then through the air had eight targets caught four of them for 68 yards and a touchdown as well so three touchdowns on the day we kept calling for this regression over the offseason with Aaron Jones and his touchdown volume but right now he's leading running backs in touchdowns he's leading everybody in terms of you know running back points scored let's talk about Aaron Jones a little bit how do you like him in this matchup against New Orleans a little bit of a tougher matchup um, and season long, what is your value on Aaron Jones? It was a guy that you probably got back of the second round, mid-second round. round. Yeah, interesting thing about Aaron Jones. I mean, you're obviously starting him every week. He's the RB1 in fantasy football right now, like you said. And yes, the New Orleans matchup is a little bit scarier, um, but you're rolling him out there. So I think the bigger question, um, like you brought up there, is what's the value full season? And I think obviously your expectations need to come down from these first two games. But Steph, I really think Aaron Jones is a top eight guy for the rest of the season. And coming into drafts, he was going more, you know, closer to the 12 range. Um, I'm definitely bumping him up my list, maybe even top six. I mean, now that we've seen CMC, Saquon both go down. So he's he's in the yeah. six to eight range for me. You know, I'm still taking Kamara, Zeke, um, Dalvin Cook, probably still going to slightly lean Derrick Henry um over Aaron Jones but he's right there in that next tier for me with with jo I'm probably taking him in front of Josh Jacobs he's in front of Drake he's in front of Mixon he's probably barely in front of Miles Sanders for me at this point um just because we haven't really Jonathan Taylor yeah I'll still take him in front of JT you know Aaron Jones has proven it he did it last season and he's done it through two games so to me I need to see more from those other guys and we would just be ignorant if we saw what Aaron Jones is doing and we didn't give him a little bit more respect so it's just so interesting with Aaron Jones because 
I mean, this season, 50% of snaps between the two games. 50% of snaps. Like, Malcolm Brown <laughs> played more snaps in week one. He played more snaps in week two in a three-way timeshare in L.A. than That's Aaron crazy. Jones is doing in Green Bay. And it's just crazy because, like, Aaron Jones this past week against Detroit played 35 snaps, but he got 18 carries and eight targets. So on 35 snaps, he had 26 opportunities. So when he's on the field, he's getting force-fed the ball with Devontae Adams a little bit banged up. I expect it to continue. So, Steph, if you... And, you know, if you got Aaron, if you have the opportunity to sell Aaron Jones for Zeke, for um, Alvin Kamara, I, I would do that. Outside of that, though, I'd probably hang on to him and, you know, go along for the ride. I mean, the Packers haven't been in competitive games. I know the, the score against Minnesota was a little bit closer in week one, but they were in control the whole time before garbage time. They pulled away in that second, third quarter here against Detroit, and they just didn't need Aaron Jones as much. So if that snap count continues to rise, um, if Devontae Adams is a little bit banged up or limited over the next couple of games, then we could see Aaron Jones continue to dominate. As of right now, number one in rushing yards through two weeks, uh, fourth amongst running backs in receiving yards. He's had eight receptions, with this, which is seventh amongst running backs. And something that we've seen is the target volume increase in 2019 and in the game in week two is the target volume increasing with Devontae Adams out of the lineup, which we saw when Adams got hurt. He has a minor hamstring injury. If he's out even an extra bump to Aaron Jones. He already saw eight targets uh, in week two with Adams hurting out of the games. Essentially, Aaron Jones is the Packers wide receiver too. You know, and, and the touchdown volume is there. So I love him season long. I said in the offseason in our bold predictions episode that Aaron Jones could repeat and finish in the top three again at the running back position. It's I don't know if we'll- pretty we'll... good. I said you were crazy. I, I mean, I remember giving you- um, you know, an absolute thrashing on that one. And I might be eating my words. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully those 19 touchdowns coming again. But, uh, dude, I'm very excited for Aaron Jones now and, and rest of the season. We'll see if that snap volume goes up. Uh, things are only going to get better if he's on the field more often. But let's move over here to some running backs flex questions. So every Ooh, single yeah. week, you guys are hitting us up. Hey, should I flex so-and-so and so-and-so? Well, we want to actually go through just a couple names here. We'll kind of do a rapid fire, just talk about the player and their matchup and how we're feeling about them. Uh, we got a couple running backs here. Let's just jump right into it. Todd Gurley, we've talked about him a lot preseason, even uh, in week one. A little bit concerned over the production that he's put up. He's getting the touches. He's getting the volume, but losing some air volume to Brian Hill in week two. He's against Chicago, which is a little bit more of a difficult matchup. Do you feel comfortable plugging Todd Gurley in at your flex spot? No. I mean, honestly, no. I'm trying to avoid Gurley. I think in a lot of leagues, you had to draft him as an RB2. Um, but to me, it's tough. It, like, you probably have to start him. You know, I don't want to start him. But if you're asking me start or sit, I will play Todd Gurley this week. He got 21 carries last week against Dallas, 14 carries in week one, along with two receptions against Seattle. So the work has been there. The production and the efficiency has not. I'm going to give it one more chance, Steph, and if he continues to disappoint, he's going to be out of my lineup really quick. But in a week where running backs are are tough to come by and there's some some tough ones across the board, I know the next couple matchups we're looking at here are tough as well. Got to give Gurley one more chance, but I'm not feeling good about it. Yeah, he's probably going to be a matchup-dependent guy. I mean, he had that touchdown against Seattle that kind of saved his week. If he doesn't have that touchdown, you know, we're talking about seven points and six points. So I think you plug him in and pray for the touchdown, which is, I guess that's what you want from a flex option. Todd Gurley or this next guy with another tough matchup, David Johnson at Pittsburgh. We saw him really pop off in week one, looked really spry coming out, um, coming out hot after all the question marks. And last week uh, in a tough matchup against Baltimore, we didn't see a lot of production. Another tough one here at Pittsburgh, Steph. Are you taking Gurley or David Johnson this week as your RB2? And with David Johnson as a whole, are you going to fade him or start him this week? So really what that comes down to me is for the, the health of Duke Johnson, because if David Johnson's going to be carrying the workload, getting a more passing volume than Gurley will, uh, even in the tougher matchup, I'll go with David Johnson. If Duke Johnson is out there uh, getting his full you know, normal usage, I may turn to the Gurley side. Uh, but at the same time, they're both kind of splitting carries with other guys, these like tertiary pieces in those backfields. So I'll, I'll probably go with David Johnson just because of the pass volume and the explosiveness. We've seen David Johnson have 25 plus 
yard breakaway runs and and turn those into touchdowns we haven't seen that yet from Todd Gurley which which has me concerned for him I don't know if it's a knee thing or just you know he's getting a little bit older whatever it is David Johnson you said it he looks spry he looks fresh I'm plugging him in over Gurley for what it's worth and this doesn't feel great but I'd probably ah it's tough I think I would take Gurley there I think I would actually take Gurley there I I didn't think this was going to be the case but I'm just thinking about it and Atlanta I think has a much better offense and even against Chicago I think, you know, Chicago's defense this season isn't quite as scary as Pittsburgh. And I think if Atlanta gets down in the red zone and Julio Jones is out or limited with that hamstring, they could give it to Gurley. As far as a touchdown upside, I think Gurley's got a better chance to get in the end zone this week. So that's why I'm actually going to go ahead and lean that way. But Steph, next guy on our list, another matchup that's a little bit scary, Melvin Gordon against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've seen the Bucs play fairly solid defense thus far this season against the running back position. Phillip Lindsay is going to be out in this one, Steph. Gordon saved his day last week with that receiving touchdown. <laughs> How are you feeling about Melvin Gordon this week? Is he locked into your lineup? I'm probably starting him out of necessity. He's probably your RB2, maybe your RB3. And I'm putting him there as a pure volume play. Even in a tough matchup, there's no Phillip Lindsay in the game and no starting quarterback it's either going to be Jeff Driscoll maybe Blake Bortles we'll see how that goes but regardless I think the volume is going to be there for Melvin Gordon he's a full full-time workhorse back Royce Freeman is not competing with him really for carries or targets even though he did get a few last game so even in a tough matchup I think they're going to try to compete uh, and Melvin Gordon essentially is going to be the one kind of stable, safe option in that backfield. And they, they love to run the ball. 15 carries week one, 19 carries for Gordon in week two, uh, and then a few receptions. If he gets the touchdown, you'll be pleased. So I'm going to go with Melvin Gordon, uh, but not feeling super excited about it. Uh, I'll, I'll start him this week. I'm with you on that one, Steph. You're kind of forced into starting him just because the opportunity will be there. Let's move down the list now. This is We're getting into deeper names, so... I think those first three, if you drafted them, you're probably forced to start them unless you had, um, you know, you went super robust RB in your draft and some of those guys were in your flex. But let's get into some names that people might be having to plug in due to injuries to CMC, Barkley, other guys. Let's talk about Antonio Gibson. They're at Cleveland, not the worst matchup for running backs, but we saw Cleveland do a pretty good job against Joe Mixon last week. Steph, Antonio Gibson against the Cleveland Browns. Are you starting or sitting this guy? I think I would flex him. I would take the upside shot on him. Last week, had 64% of the snaps after having just 26% in week one. Peyton Barber had one carry for one yard. And Antonio Gibson got the touchdown in this game on 13 attempts. Uh, was running at a fairly decent 4.2 yards per carry on an offense that you know we don't love. But I really do think this, this Washington football team is trying to compete. With a bright young offensive mind in Scott Turner, they're trying to push the ball. They're asking Dwayne Haskins to do a lot. And I think Antonio Gibson will be the benefactor of that. I'm not scared of the Cleveland matchup really at all. Uh, so I think Antonio Gibson is worth a flex. There's probably names that I would take over him, but he's kind of a guy that's you know, your floor is eight points and your upside could be you know close to that 20 number. Yeah, I agree. I'm willing to throw him in there. You know, it's all dependent on who's on your roster. And to me, the tier break is... I'm going to take Antonio Gibson this week over any of these guys that are in timeshares. So give me Gibson over Mark Ingram. Give me Gibson over Leonard Fournette. Ooh. Um, I'll, I'll still take him over, you know, Naheem Hines, Jerick McKinnon. Um, Josh Kelly is a tough one for me. I know we'll talk about him a little bit later. I, I would probably start Josh Kelly in a great matchup this week over Antonio Gibson. But um, I think just because the work is going to be there, I could see him getting 15 carries, a couple receptions, and if he gets into the end zone, he's going to be a fine RB too. So yeah, I'm willing to start. I'm willing to start Gibson this week. So the next one, this is a no question auto start to me now and potentially for the rest of the season, depending on how things go. With both Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman banged up out of the lineup in a soft matchup against the Giants, Jarek McKinnon is he an auto start for you? Uh, I don't think so. I really? mean, I think he's a fine. I think he's a fine start. Um, he's obviously going to have opportunity here in this offense, that, and it's a good matchup. Like we look at it, Raheem Mostert's out. Um, Tevin Coleman is out, so the opportunity is there. I think Jeff Wilson is actually going to get a little bit more run in this game than people want him to. Um, you, you look at McKinnon's workload so far, and even last week, Tevin Coleman, after Mostert went out, got 14 carries for 12 yards when McKinnon was clearly the better back. So, yes, I do think McKinnon's going to get, you know, 8 to 10, maybe 12 carries is the upside in this game. If Jimmy G is out and they really want to stick to the ground, he should get a couple targets as well. So I think he is startable. 
you know, if you're in a tough situation and you had some guys go out to injury, I think McKinnon's a fine play. But the thought process of these fantasy managers is like, oh, Mostert's out, Tevin Coleman's out. McKinnon's going to be in the backfield by himself, and he's going to get 20 carries and, you know, seven targets, and he's going to be a, a smash play. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but I think he's going to be fine. I, you know, if he's my RB2 this week, I'm not, you know, psyched about it, but I, I, feel, I feel okay. Well, we look at what Raheem Mostert was getting, 15 touches in week one, eight in week two on the ground, uh, and saw five targets in week one and two targets in week two. So getting volume both through the air and on the ground, I think a lot of that is going to go over to McKinnon. And what he's yeah. shown already is that he's back healthy and he can still be efficient. 25 yards per carry last week <laughs> on three touches, which is just, that's insane. And he had a touchdown on one of those scampers. So uh, I think he's going to get a ton of volume and he's looked great. I, I'm in on McKinnon. Yeah, I like him. Look, more. I'll take him over some of like the PPR specialist backs. Like I'll take him over Hines. Cohen, I'll take him over. I, oh, absolutely. I know Zach Moss is questionable. If Zach Moss plays, I think I would take him over Singletary this week. If Zach Moss is out, I will. I would go Singletary there. But I'm taking him over Mike Davis in Carolina. I'm taking him over Ronald Jones, you know, Daryl Henderson. So if you had those other waiver pickups in consideration, um, I, I think I would still lean with Jarek McKinnon with this opportunity in a great matchup against New York. New York's given it up to the running back this year. Um, they're oh, yeah. bottom 10 in rush yards allowed per game. I know we're only through two games here, but I think McKinnon is a fine start. And, you know, if you were on the waiver wire trying to find a plug and play running back, he would have been the guy that I would have chosen. So let's fly through these next three. Mike Davis against the Chargers on the road. I know for a lot of McCaffrey owners, maybe you had him or went and scooped him up off the waiver wire. If he's an option in your flex, though, are you starting him over? Any other names that we've brought up here? I'm probably not. No, I think that's a desperation play. I mean, if you're like one of, you know, the league we're in together, Steph, our home league, it's been bad. I don't want to talk about it, but my RB2 right now is Ronald Jones. And it's a situation where if I had Mike Davis, I would start him over Ronald Jones. Um, I don't have that luxury, so I am rolling Rojo out there and hoping for the best. But like if you had McCaffrey and you had... You know, Mike Davis has your handcuff. I think you, you might be forced into starting him. I'm not excited about him. I don't think he's just going to take that McCaffrey role. It's a tough matchup. Um, I think there are going to be other guys involved, whether it's Curtis Samuel, whether it's Reggie Bonifant getting pulled up from the practice squad and getting some carries as well. So I'm willing to start him, but I'm trying not yeah, to. Yeah, it's like a desperation PPR, you know, 14-team league. It's a tough matchup, too. I think I think a couple weeks from now, like with McCaffrey being on the short-term IR, that's three, three weeks this year, I think Davis is going to have some startable games. I'm trying to lean the other way against the Chargers. All right, though. two more here. James White against the Raiders. Are you starting him in your flex? Um, only if I have to. Same situation. I mean, if 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 I've got guys that are hurt and James White's the best high floor option, I think he could get 10 points in PPR. Outside of PPR, I'm staying away from him. But if I need a guy to get me 10 points in my RB2 spot or my flex, you know, I'm fine rolling James White out there. And the flex is tough because there's a lot of receivers I'd rather have. Like, give me Golden Tate. Um, give me you know, even maybe John Brown, um, players like that over, um, over James White right now. So, you know, I'm willing to start him, but the upside I just don't think is there right now in this New England offense. Burkhead is a little bit too involved as well. <laughs> Burkhead's too involved. Michelle's still getting carries on the ground. And let's be real, Cam Newton is the RB1 on that depth chart in New England. Last one here, Daryl Henderson against the Buffalo Bills. Looked great in week two. Are you plugging him right back in in week three with Brown? dealing with a thumb injury and cam Akers dealing with a rib injury this one's tough i think you have to wait and see if those guys are active or not and the only way i'm starting daryl henderson this week is if both miss the game this is a pretty tough matchup against buffalo so i'm willing to start him if he has the backfield to himself just keep an eye out at the time of this recording malcolm brown and cam Akers are still questionable it's looking like at this point again we're recording this what day is it thursday it's looking like cam Akers is going to miss and malcolm brown is going to play if one of those guys plays i'm probably benching henderson but if both are out i'm willing to throw them in there this backfield this three-headed monster of a backfield i feel like mcveigh and the coaching staff are looking for somebody to break out and come in and take over this role i like daryl henderson a lot he played only 43 percent of snaps last week had 20 fantasy points though was running very efficiently i think he's worth um i think he's worth a flex spot this week uh if i don't think acres is going to play brown might play but either way up as long as acres is out i'm comfortable putting daryl henderson in there i'm probably a little bit higher on him than you are 
Now we got a couple wide receivers we want to talk about here. Some wide receiver flex options. Let's talk about these guys. Are you going to start them in your flex or sit them over other names that are there? And the first one, it should be a start based on the matchup and just based on the name value. But so far, we have not seen the production. T.Y. Hilton against the New York Jets. Are you starting him in the flex? Yeah, I'm starting T.Y. Hilton. I'm biased here, Steph, because you know I'm, I'm a big-time T.Y. Hilton fan. Jets are a, a cake matchup. I guess the only concern here would be that the Colts are going to get out to a lead and not need to throw the ball to T.Y. Hilton at all. Um, I mean, the, the game against Minnesota, they controlled early, and T.Y. Hilton only had five targets in that game. So, you know, they didn't have to throw the ball a ton. In week one against Jacksonville, Hilton still saw nine targets last week against Minnesota in that low-volume game. He dropped the long touchdown, very uncharacteristic of him. He comes up with that catch. You know, T.Y. Hilton's locked into your lineup. So start T.Y. Hilton this week. He even got called out by his grandma. Apparently. <laughs> I was going to bring so that up. If, if anyone's going to be playing, if anyone's going to be playing hard, it's going to be Hilton. I'm fine to throw him in there. Hope he gets a big one this week. Here's the report. T.Y. Hilton's grandmother gave him a call on Monday. She said she didn't recognize the grandson. She was watching on TV the first two weeks of the season. <laughs> and Hilton said it was just what he needed. She always shoots it straight with me. Hilton said she's my rock. She's my heart. So he's going for 35 points. So for Mrs. Saying. Hilton. The inspiration is there and an easy matchup. I'm plugging Hilton in. I like the boom upside that he has with uh, now with Paris Campbell out as well. Another one we need to talk about here, Tyler Boyd. He's been a little bit disappointing. Uh, at least he was in week one, and then the touchdown saved you. The garbage time touchdown at the very end of the game in week two. I was happy with, with plugging Tyler Boyd in there, but I was sweating the entire game. Tyler Boyd against the Philadelphia Eagles. Are you starting him? Are you sitting him? I am. Yeah, I'm starting Tyler Boyd week one, weird low volume matchup against the Chargers week two, a much higher flying matchup against Cleveland. And even though it wasn't garbage time or most of it was Steph, we saw what this Bengals team is going to be. They're going to give up a ton of points. Joe Burrow's going to throw the ball a lot. And Tyler Boyd was able to get some rapport with Joe, Joey Burrows there at the end. So I'm starting Tyler Boyd in my flex, feeling pretty good about it. Burrow showed an affinity for targeting the slot receiver back at LSU. That's where Tyler Boyd operates most of the time. He's at an 85% snap share out in all packages. So regardless if it's a run, pass, red zone, uh, opposite side of the field, whatever it is, Tyler Boyd is in the game. So for a guy like that who saw eight targets and had a touchdown last week, I think you just got to plug him in again, hope for the same thing. Uh, last one that we'll talk about, actually two more, Marvin Jones. I know you're actually dealing with this same situation. One of our leagues, Alex, Marvin Jones yeah. against the Arizona Cardinals. Are you putting him in your flex? Yeah, I'd flex him over both Hilton and Boyd, both guys we already talked about. I think this is going to be a bounce-back week for Matt Stafford, a little foreshadowing for the starts Ooh. of the week later in the show. Um, Kenny Galladay is going to be back. That doesn't scare me one bit. I think Marvin Jones, I mean, we've seen it for years with both of these two guys as the 1A, 1B in Detroit. Marvin Jones plays just as well when Kenny G is out there. He actually levels off a little bit when he is the quote-unquote featured wide receiver one. So if Galladay can get out there this week in any capacity – I think it's actually just going to be a lift for the entire Lions offense. And Marvin Jones should have a good week in a, in a you know high-flying game here against Arizona. I think the over-under for this game, let me spot check it here. It's Yeah, it's 55 and a half <laughs> points. So Vegas is wow. expecting a ton of points. Marvin Jones has just as good a chance to get into the end zone as anybody, so I'm throwing him out there. Nice. Yeah, not much to, to add there. I think that's – yeah, you're plugging him in. You're plugging him in. He's an upside flex guy with a relatively high floor. Worst case scenario, we're talking eight, nine points. Last one here. Yep. Guy who's actually a little bit banged up, but if he's healthy and ready to go and in there, John Brown against the Rams. It's the hardest matchup that the Bills have had to face with previous matchups against Miami and the Jets. Are you starting him in the toughest matchup so far? Josh Allen has been cooking. Are you willing to plug John Brown in? And just keep keep riding this hype train with with Allen and the boys. Yeah, matchup of two and O teams here. Um, Allen and the boys, I think, are, are going to be competitive with LA. And the Rams are the best offense that Buffalo has played so far. So you know, if the Rams can put up some points, Josh Allen's going to need to throw the ball. I expect that to be the case, even if it's not you know four touchdowns for Josh Allen like we saw last week. <laughs> I think there's going to be enough passing volume for John Brown to be a flex play this year. He's outperformed, you know, where I think he'll finish full season here in those first couple games. But John Brown, to me, coming into the year, I was really low on because I wasn't sold on the pass volume for Josh Allen with Diggs coming in. But he's funneling those targets to Diggs and John Brown. There's not a whole lot else there. Maybe Cole Beasley underneath. So, look, I yeah, I like Brown this week. He's banged up, so keep an eye on it. He was last week as well, and he was fine. Um, he's been bailed out by a touchdown in the first two games, but his volume has still been consistent. So 
I think John Brown's going to be just fine this week. Um, I, I'd probably prefer the other guys we already talked about. I'd prefer Hilton Boyd and Marvin Jones to John Brown. But there's a lot worse you could do at the position, and I'm, st- I'm starting John Brown if I have to. I, I don't have a problem with it. But. Wide receiver nine on the year right now in PPR. It's crazy. Had over 90% snap share. I never would have guessed that. <laughs> Same. Uh, we had him in our wide receiver three range before the drafts, and his, his snap shares have been high, over 90% in both weeks. So he's he's a part of the game plan for the Bills, part of their passing attack. And Diggs being there kind of opened things up in this passing game. So I'm willing to put John Brown in there at flex again, uh, even in the tougher matchup. Let's talk about the game that I think everyone is the most excited for. It's the Monday night showdown. Get hype. It's the Ravens versus the Chiefs. This is going to be awesome. I want to talk about, before we get into some of the fantasy values here, I think it's going to be positive all across the board because the matchup is just great on both sides. But my prediction for this game script is going to be kind of what the Chiefs have shown us multiple times, whether it was the end of last year in the playoffs uh, and a little bit so far to start this season, which is the Ravens defense is going to be able to stifle the Chiefs a little bit earlier on. They're going to get off to a slow start. Baltimore is going to be able to move the ball, put up some points, and then Chiefs go on that comeback trail at the end of the game. We'll see if they end up being able to pull it off like they have a million times, it feels like, already. But regardless, what that means is there's fantasy value all around. How do you see this game script going? Man, it's tough to say. The Ravens' defense is pretty strong, but if there's anyone that is going to be able to, to see right through them, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. You know, the, the over-under is 54.5, so Vegas expects points. The Ravens are favored in this one. It is at the bank in Baltimore. Man, I, I think it's going to be competitive throughout. I think in the past we've seen that narrative you talked about of like one team jumping ahead, normally the Ravens and the Chiefs coming back. I think this time we might just see a competitive game throughout. I would love it just to be back and forth, back to back and forth, both teams taking shots at each other, um, being able to keep it balanced on the ground through the air. That's what I expect in this one. I expect it to be an incredibly competitive game. I have the Ravens to come out on top. Um, little little bit of a homer pick there. I do live in Baltimore, love Lamar Jackson, but um, I would love to see Lamar finally you know, take one home here against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So let's talk about some of the fantasy assets in this game. Lamar Jackson, no question, of course, you're starting him. What I have loved to see from Lamar, though, is over a, he has a 2.1 pass-to-run ratio. So he's been passing a little bit more so far this year. I know last week's against the Texans at home sucked because of the game script. Baltimore's defense was great. The rushing was going well. They really didn't need Lamar Jackson to pass. He didn't go vertical really at all which we, we saw with, with rough outings from Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown. I do expect that to change against Kansas City. If Kansas City's putting up points, and I think even just the game plan from Harbaugh is going to be aggressive because they know they're going to need to. I reviewed in my Hollywood Brown film room before the draft. Go check that out on our YouTube channel if you have not already. But I broke down a little bit of this game, went through all the plays that Hollywood Brown and Lamar Jackson had. And something I noticed... Uh, last time that these two played in week three in 2019 was that Hollywood Brown saw nine targets, six of which were thrown 15 yards or more downfield. So the downfield wow. opportunities I think are going to be there for Hollywood Brown. He's an instant like auto start for me. I'm taking his upside, plugging him in in my lineup. Um, I saw a stack here before we jumped on. Uh, somebody on Twitter was hitting us up with a start-sit question, and they had Mike Evans and Hollywood Brown in as their wide receiver group. I was like, man, I love your lineup. That's a great stack to have. So I'm all over Hollywood Brown and Lamar Jackson in this game. Uh, on the, the backfield for the Ravens, I think Ingram is a flex option. Are you willing to plug in J.K. Dobbins? <laughs> no, I mean – I'm with you. Lamar, auto start. I think Hollywood Brown in this game should be high volume, should be some passing volume, auto start. And I look, I'm willing to start Ingram as a desperation flex or an RB2 if you have to. Um, you know, it's all about can he get into the end zone? And, you know, I think, you know, if I have to pick between Ingram, Gus Edwards, and Dobbins, which one's going to get the touchdown, I'm still going to put my chips on Ingram. Um, and no, I'm not starting J.K. Dobbins. I know he had the two touchdowns there in week one, but last week against the Texans, Steph, this is a game the Ravens had in control. This is a game where with a rookie running back, you would expect a game you have in control. Let's get this rookie some some reps. Let's save the tread on Mark Ingram's tires. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins saw two carries. 
Um, one reception and two carries in this game. That's just not going to cut it. Three touches, I don't care how good the <laughs> offense is, it's not going to get it done. Now, I will say one of those carries for Dobbins went for 44 yards. Um, but good. I'm not sold yet on J.K. Dobbins. I mean, we saw Gus Edwards get 10 carries last week, and those were not just burning out the clock carries. That's when the game mattered. 10 carries from Edwards, 9 from Ingram, 2 from Dobbins. With Lamar Jackson as a runner as well, I'm just not confident enough that the volume is going to be there for Dobbins. Um, and without a touchdown, I, I just don't think he's going to be a good play. J.K. Dobbins, is he's a desperation flex, I would say. He had low usage, like you said, in week two. Ingram was the guy there. And has seen a 38% snapshot so far this season. Only one target, only two red zone touches. What's interesting there is that Mark Ingram is actually 14th amongst running backs in red zone touches with six of them through two weeks. So the goal line back really does look like Ingram, even though Dobbins did have those two touchdowns in week one. Yep. Uh, and Ingram is just barely, just barely outsnapping him by about 2%. Um, we'll take that on a team that runs the fifth most run plays per game. Yes, Steph, week one was dangerous with Dobbins because he did have the two touchdowns, but just seven carries in that game, 3.1 yards per carry. Like, it's not it's not his time yet, and his time will come. It should He should get ramped up as the season goes on and certainly into the future, but the time is not now for J.K. Dobbins. You want to leave him on your bench and see what you have later on. But before we move on to the Chiefs, Steph, Mark Andrews auto start. I know he had a down game last week. I'm plugging him in my lineup yeah. everywhere. If I have him, are you with me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's one of the, the like, even with that down week, he still, to me, has the upside to be a tight end one every single week. Um, so I'm, I'm totally plugging him in. So now let's talk about the Chiefs. It's pretty simple in Kansas City. It really is. I mean, most of these, everybody that you have is an auto start. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. He's going to do Mahomes things. If he can't get it done through the air, somehow he's going to find a way to put up 60 rushing yards one way or another, just like last week. Uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire. The usage was a little bit sketchy last week. I think that was a little bit more of the game script, but we did see the target volume increase. After two targets for CEH in week one against Houston, he had eight against the Chargers last week, caught six of them for 32 yards. So that little PPR bump, yep. I think once we see everything kind of come together where the snaps are there, the touchdown volume is there, and the receptions are there, that's where we're going to get the CEH that we all want, that you drafted him to be. Look, don't don't overvalue a down week and a tough game script. A tough matchup, honestly. The Chargers uh, front seven has looked great. Chargers defense has been they great. They really have been. So plug, yep. plug CEH in here, man. He's, he's going to dominate. I would not be surprised at all if he had two touchdowns. Daryl Williams is banged up as well. Um, we saw Darwin Thompson. I mean, Daryl Williams didn't get a single carry last week. Darwin Thompson had four. So if Darwin Thompson is the only available back behind CEH, expect a ton of volume for him in this game. It's pretty simple, Steph, and it's the only team, I think, in the entire NFL that could actually have the number one fantasy player at every <laughs> single position in the same week. Like, I could see Mahomes, CEH, Tyreek Hill, and Travis Kelsey all being number one at their position on any given week, and those are the four guys that you're plugging in. Let's, I mean, Tyreek will talk about it. Receivers, he's an auto start. Um, behind him, you got Sammy Watkins, who is in the concussion protocol. You've got Demarcus Robinson, Michael Hardman. I'm avoiding those guys, Steph, all three of them. Um, Tyreek Hill is obviously in your lineup, but any, you know, you're taking the bait on any of those other three guys. The only situation that I'm actually in right now in a league is one where I have Devontae Adams, who plays Sunday night. Uh, this is a very deep mm -hmm. league, don't really have a ton of options. And I got to figure out with, with Adams potentially being a game time decision, if he's out, you got to have some backup options. So you want guys that are also going to be in that, that Sunday night game. Would love to have Traquan Smith there as an option uh, on the Saints side of the ball that I could plug in if Adams is out. But in a worst-case scenario, I don't mind taking a flyer on Demarcus Robinson if you are an Adams owner and he's called out uh, out of the game last minute. That's the only thing I'll throw out there. But no, all in all, it, it's Tyreek and nobody else. I like that a lot because, I mean, we're in a deep league and in our league like Lazard – MVS, uh, Traquan, Emmanuel Sanders, um, all those Sammy Watkins, all those guys are already rostered. So the only option for you was, you know, Meikle Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, or just pivot and go somewhere else if we don't hear about Adams until you know closer up to to the game time. So look, listen to that advice. If you're in a deeper league, go check your waiver wire. If you've got a, a bench spot available. Um, or if you don't have a bench spot available, but you have an IR spot when someone's ruled out, just take it up to game time. If Adams is ruled out, move him to that IR spot, scoop up Demarcus Robinson or Miko Hardman if you really want to go deep, but I would probably prefer Robinson there. I'm going to just throw him into your lineup. But Steph, last guy in this game, then we'll get into our starts of the week. Travis Kelsey, it's an auto start. Not much else to say. 
Harrison Butker auto start. Oh, yeah. If you're in a league with kickers, first off, shame on you. But second off, start Harrison Butker. Stud. Dude just hit and like multiple kicker almost 60-yard field. Kicker yeah, duel kicker here. face-off here. Uh, I'm putting my chips in on Butker. But let's go here to our starts of the week. Let's go. And then we'll hit our deep shots. Let's go ahead and start it off. We'll go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. And I'm going to start with Ryan Tannehill against the Minnesota Vikings. Tannehill, believe it or not, he is currently the quarterback nine on the year through two weeks. He's against Minnesota this week, which is a defense that just got blown out by Phillip Rivers, who's currently thrown more interceptions than touchdowns. Sorry for your Colts fandom there. But, you know, if, if Rivers is putting up numbers on Minnesota, I have no doubt Ryan Tannehill will. The volume has been high for Tannehill so far this year. 43 attempts in week one, 23 attempts in week two. And he showed high efficiency, the same efficiency that we saw at the end of last season that we said was not going to stick around. We're still seeing some of that. Uh, Definitely not as efficient as they were. Derrick Henry hasn't had any of those explosive games yet. I think he could have one of those here. Uh, But we saw four touchdowns through the air in week two for Tannehill and zero for Henry. With or without A.J. Brown, I still think Tannehill is a great streaming option and potentially an all-year starter is within his range of outcomes. So if he's out there on your waiver wire, pick him up. He's probably not. Um, But if you're debating him over another option, maybe a guy like Carson Wentz, Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Burrow, plug Ryan Tannehill in there. He's going to give you safety with some upside as well if it turns into, for some reason, a pass-heavy game script. And even through the air, we're seeing breakouts from Jonu Smith as well. Uh, So with A.J. Brown there, that only helps. Ryan Tannehill, start of the week in week three. Alex, who you got? Yeah, Steph. I mean, most of the time we agree on these starts of the week. I'll be honest, I don't necessarily agree on Tannehill as, you know, start of the week level hype, but I I could see it happening. So I'm not going to rain on your parade, but I'll just go ahead and get into my guy here. And also, by the way, if if Tannehill goes off, you have all the right to cram it in my face now that I said that on the pod. (laughs) Um, But my guy is Matt Stafford against the Arizona Cardinals. I mentioned this game earlier, 55.5 point over under. This is going to be a high-scoring shootout. I expect the Lions to be keeping up with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins all game long. And look, Matt Stafford had a really tough draw to start out the season. We liked picking him up late in drafts. If you picked him up, you're probably disappointed. I mean, he had no Kenny Galladay for the first two games. We do expect Kenny Galladay to be out there this week, at least as of now on Thursday afternoon. He hasn't had the easiest schedule. I mean, he had Chicago, then he was at Green Bay. Um, But even through all these issues, he's managed 17 fantasy points per game through the first two. So if you've been riding it out with Stafford, he hasn't crushed you, but you probably are a little bit disappointed. Leave him out there for one more week. Or if he's on waivers and you need a better option, um, you know, you're looking for that streamer and you didn't get Gardner Minshew or or Fitzmagic for Thursday night, go ahead and pick up Matt Stafford. Feel free to roll him out this week against Arizona with confidence. I would not be surprised to see him hit 300 yards and toss a couple touchdowns as well. So Matt Stafford, lock it in, start of the week. Nice, nice. Let's move over to running backs here. My start of the week, we foreshadowed it a little bit earlier. And, you know, these starts of the week, these aren't supposed to be super chalk options. This is giving our vote of confidence, whether it's maybe a deeper name or a guy in a tougher matchup. This is a deep one. I thought you could have done this one for deep shots. So this is a this is a big endorsement here as your start of the week. My start of the week at the running back position is Joshua Kelly running back for the L.A. Chargers. And he's up against Carolina. And that Carolina matchup has been so good so far this year. Josh Jacobs had a three-touchdown week against them in week one. We saw both Ronald Jones and Fournette have completely startable weeks. Fournette absolutely destroying that defense late in the game once they were a little bit worn out. So you have some of that you know, thunder and lightning uh, correlation with Rojo and Fournette. We get the same thing now with Eckler and Kelly. I think Kelly can be a desperation RB2 or a flex in a tight spot this week. He had 23 carries in his first game with Justin Herbert. Herbert's still going to be in the game. And when Tyrod Taylor was in the game, we saw zero. Zero targets to the running back's position. And when Herbert was in, we saw six. So right away there, that's, I think, Herbert being in. We said it before the season. The best case scenario for Eckler, Keenan Allen... All these pass catchers, Hunter Henry, would be Justin Herbert coming in and taking over the starting role. So we look at that. We had two targets going over to Kelly in week two. I think we're going to see more of the same in a super soft matchup. He's been seeing very high volume. 
in a good matchup. They have a rookie quarterback. Like, yeah, that's great. And we love Herbert for the fantasy value for all their pass catchers. But it also means I think the team is going to go with a more run-heavy game plan. They're not going to ask Justin Herbert to do anything crazy in his second start ever in the NFL. So more of the same from Joshua Kelly. And Alex, let me ask you this trivia question. Three, two weeks, which team has run the most rushing plays in the NFL? I mean, because we're talking about the Chargers, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the Chargers. <laughs> you are a smart man, absolutely correct. So far, the volume has been incredible for the running back position, and we have seen the the, uh, the Chargers operating at a very high pace of play. We had 18 attempts for Eckler, 20 for Kelly, or 23 for Kelly last week. So I love Joshua Kelly. If you can buy him on the cheap, do it definitely do it he's getting a ton of volume he's a goal line back he's the melvin gordon role in this backfield and if anything were to happen to austin eckler joshua kelly is a league winner as far as i'm concerned yep yeah steph i love the pick and honestly anytime you have a start of the week that's only rostered in 60 percent of leagues that's a pretty deep start of the week and look there's 40 percent of leagues out there maybe it's a home league a more casual league people don't know who josh kelly is Go look at your waiver wire, see if he's out there. Even if you've got good backs, scoop him up and put him on your bench because not only does he have standalone value, but like Steph said, if something were to happen to Austin Eckler, I mean, Josh Kelly is going to be a locked and loaded top 12 running back for the rest of the season. So I love the pick, Steph. With my start of the week at running back, I'm going to go with a bigger name. I mean, you went deep. I'm going a little bit more chalk this week. It's Kenyon Drake against Detroit. It's that same matchup I talked about earlier. has a high over-under. Nice. I expect this to be a get-right game for Kenyon Drake. I know he hasn't killed you so far. He's running back 22 through the first two weeks, 13 points per game. Very solid as you know an RB2 on your roster. But if you were drafting Drake at the end of the first round, early second rounds, you're probably questioning whether the pick was worth it. I'm telling you, leave him in your starting lineup. Don't be trading him to somebody else because I think this is going to be a definite get-right game for Kenyon Drake against this weak Lions team. Detroit's giving up 200 rushing yards per game through the first two weeks of the season. Now, I know it's only two weeks, but, man, that is a ton. And I expect Kenyon Drake to get out there. I know Chase Edwin, Chase Edmonds <laughs> vultured a receiving touchdown from him week one. Um, and he disappointed last week as well against the Washington football team for your expectations. So to me, like, I know Drake's probably in your starting lineup, but if he's not, get him in there. And if he is, expect a top 10 week Ooh. in week two for Kenyon Drake. Love that start of the week there. Love that start of the week. And you, you're, we're talking about bounce backs. Let's move over to wide receivers here because my first start of the week at the wide receiver position is a guy that I'm expecting a big bounce it. back from. It's Allen Robinson. We were all over You stole him. this one from me. <laughs> I know. We both love A-Rob this week. He's up against the Atlanta Falcons, which they've been, for all intents and purposes, the best matchup for wide receivers because Atlanta's offense is going to be able to score. Their defense can't stop anybody. It's going to be a boat race type of game script. Whether it's a shootout or even for the Bears, it could be garbage time on the offensive side of the ball with the time running out. It could just be, hey, we're going to throw it up to A-Rob, see what he can do. But Atlanta right now, they're 29th against the pass with matchups against the, the Seahawks and the Cowboys. Those are both good offenses, but Robinson is too good of a player not to make a splash in this game. I think the bounce back is happening. I'm all over Allen Robinson here in week three. So bounce backs for Kenyon Drake, bounce backs for A-Rob. Who you got at your wide receiver start of the week? It's another bounce back guy, Steph. This one's not bouncing back from the first two games of this season. This one's bouncing back from like 2018 when it was the last <laughs> time we saw him as an elite wide receiver. It's AJ Green against the Philadelphia Eagles. Nice. And the th I mean, we talked about it earlier this week, Steph, on our other pod, like recapping that game between the Bengals and the Browns. The panic meter for AJ Green is at a one. Like he's getting the looks. He has 22 targets through the first two weeks of the season but he only has a 36% catch rate. I think that's a combination of factors. It's Joe Burrow being a rookie quarterback. It's, you know, a, a weird COVID year with no preseason and limited camp. It's AJ Green trying to shake the rust off after missing all of last season and missing the whole back half of 2018. So I expect Joe Burrow to continue to build that rapport. I expect AJ Green to continue to get up to speed. And I think he's finally going to cash in on that connection with Joe Burrow this week. I know the Eagles D isn't necessarily like a perfect matchup. It's not one that you're targeting by any means, but I expect this Bengals team to, to be behind and to need to pass the ball. Their defense is not great. I expect them to give AJ Green the opportunities here in this one. Burrow is going to have a ton, a ton of pass attempts this season, and I expect it this week as well. And I think AJ Green gets in the end zone this week against the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Um, you know, I, I'm really calling my shots here with the touchdowns. I think Stafford's going to toss a couple. I think Drake's going to get in, and I think A.J. Green's going to hit the end zone as well. Um, if you have A.J. Green and you're feeling burned after last week, I hope you didn't sell low because he's getting the looks, he's getting the volume, and I expect him to have a great week here against uh, Philadelphia in week three. Nice, nice. So it looks like we're starting both A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd. But I'll, I'll let you finish us off here with our starts of the week. Who you got at tight end in week three? Same game here, Steph. Eagles and the Ooh. Bengals. We're not going with Zach Ertz. We're going with Zach Ertz. You know, uh, I mean, Zach Ertz is the backup to this player is what I'm saying. You know, <laughs> I, I probably could have said that a little bit more elegantly there. I think I botched it's it. It's happening. But, but we're going with Dallas Goddard, the happening. best tight end on the Philadelphia Eagles. Dallas Goddard against the Cincinnati Bengals. Look, first, this is a great matchup. Um, the defense is terrible. I just talked about it when we hit on AJ green, like the Bengals are going to have to score points because their defense is so bad. We saw the Browns do whatever they wanted against this Bengals defense last week. And Dallas Goddard, people don't realize he is a full-time tight end on the Philadelphia Eagles. People think of him as like the backup to Zach Ertz or the handcuff at the tight end position to Zach Ertz. That is not true. Dallas Goddard, even though he is running two tight end sets with Ertz, is full time. He's playing 84% of snaps so far this season, Ooh. top 10 in the NFL, and he's seeing eight and a half targets a game. And I know people might say, okay, it's only two games into the season. We can't expect Goddard to keep up that pace for the whole year. But if you look back to 2019, when Ertz was healthy, Dallas Goddard over the last eight games, one of those was the playoff game, was seeing eight targets a game. So this is a full-time tight end who's seeing eight targets a game. You don't get that kind of volume with a ton of tight ends in the NFL these days. He has Carson Wentz throwing him the ball, who I know has been you know rough to start the year, but they have no other options, and they're going to be funneling targets to Dallas Goddard and honestly also to Zach Ertz. So if you have Goddard, congratulations, because you basically got Zach Ertz in like the 14th round <laughs> of your draft. And now with Jalen Rager being out for, who knows, six to eight weeks, that's just another piece gone in this offense. I know he was only seeing a handful of targets per game, but Goddard is going to be relied upon, and I love him in a good matchup against Cincinnati. I think it also could be a bounce-back game for Carson Wentz here against the Bengals. And if that's going to be the case, Dallas Goddard is a smash play. I love it. I love it. I'd be trying to buy Goddard in every league just because he's you're right the perceived value it's it's he's seen as a handcuff or a backup to Zach Ertz that's not the case and I don't think Zach Ertz is going to get the paycheck that he's looking for after this season with with Goddard playing the way that he is but let me hit my tight end start of the week we've talked about this matchup a lot specifically you have with a couple of your starts Matt Stafford Kenyon Drake well part of your Matt Stafford start of the week Plays right to my tight end, TJ Hawkinson against the Arizona Cardinals. The matchup against the Cardinals was so good last season. 16 fantasy points per game to the tight end position. And so far, the, the Cardinals defense has actually been relatively decent against the tight end, but they haven't really faced anyone, you know, too good. They had they had Kittle in week one. He got hurt, was out of the game. Then uh, after that, they had Logan Thomas in the Washington football team. So they haven't faced, you know, a, a truly like starter physical specimen that TJ Hawkinson is uh, that is going to get utilized a lot. The Lions have, have had TJ Hawkinson in the game on 72% of snaps this season, and that's rising. So he had 63% of snaps in week one, and that's only gone up with Jesse James there getting zero targets, zero receptions. And Lions are 11th. In terms of pass, pass plays per game, we know Stafford is going to air it out. There's some ambiguity in that running back uh, backfield. It's like Adrian Peterson on the ground, DeAndre Swift through the air. But regardless, TJ Hawkinson has been a great starter. He's been super efficient. He's second on the season so far in yards per target amongst tight ends. And he's caught all nine of his nine targets. Hasn't dropped a pass all season. Kenny Galladay coming back could cap the upside, but on the other end of the spectrum, that could also give this offense the explosiveness that it is missing. So I'm firing up TJ Hawkinson. Don't let Galladay coming back uh, allow you to, to look at him as a fade. If you have him, you're starting, starting him. I'm putting him in there over a lot of other tight ends in week three. I love the pick, Steph. I think if you drafted Hawkinson late, if you took that late flyer, He's been good for you so far, and I think it's going to continue there against the Arizona Cardinals. We could be seeing the breakout. We could be finally seeing the TJ Hawkinson breakout. We're seeing it from Noah Fant already this year, and Hawkinson's actually been really solid. He hasn't quite popped with some of his highlights so far, but the production has been there. So let's look for it to continue here in week three. 
But Steph, I want to go ahead and transition over. We got a few minutes here. Let's close out the show with one of our favorites, Deep Shots of the Week. Last week, we hit on a couple. We called Jarek McKinnon a week early. He scored a touchdown in that game. Um, had a couple big plays there. He was a great start. You hit on Russell Gage, another really solid performance. Yeah. Let's both throw out a couple names here. Again, these are guys we're not endorsing to like start over your plug-and-play guys. But if you are dealing with injuries, like it seems like everyone is right now, these are players that even <laughs> after these waivers ran this past week might still be sitting out there, and you can pick them up, plug them in immediately in your flex spot in a desperation situation and get a good week. So, Steph, I'm going to toss it to you first. We'll try to be quick on these. Just throw a couple names out there. Who do you have as your first deep shot of the week? So the first one I'm going to throw out there is Traquan Smith for the New Orleans nice. Saints. We saw Emmanuel Sanders pretty much not even utilized until, like, garbage time at the end of the fourth quarter last week. This is Traquan Smith as really the main option, the first read for Drew Brees in the passing game. He was played on 88% of snaps after getting 66% in week one and saw seven targets, caught five of them for 86 yards in this game. So the yards per catch was pretty high. Uh, Traquan Smith, he's a fast guy. He's a big guy. So you take the mix of size and speed. I know last year, 2019, was kind of disappointing uh, because he was dealing with injuries, was in and out of the lineup. But now this season, I think Traquan Smith, we're going to see some big things from him. So you're in a desperation spot. Why not grab uh, in, a, in a matchup against Green Bay, which admittedly isn't the best, but at least Traquan Smith gives you that boom upside and a relatively safe floor if he's going to get, you know, six to 10 targets in a matchup that should be relatively high scoring. So plug in Traquan Smith in there as my first deep shot of the week. That one's tough. I think he could get a lot of usage again this week in that Sunday night showdown. I'm going to go ahead and throw out my first name. It's Golden Tate, and I know Golden Tate is probably rostered in your league, but he might be sitting on your bench and you're just not feeling confident enough to start him. He was out in week one with that hamstring injury, came back last week with a decent game, five catches for 47 yards. But now the Giants' week three matchup doesn't look quite as scary against the San Francisco 49ers. They're dealing with all those injuries on the defensive side of the ball. Nick Bosa going out, Solomon Thomas, Richard Sherman's on IR. Um, I think D Ford is going to miss the game as well. So that 49ers defense is suddenly not necessarily like in a void um, in my eyes. So Golden Tate could actually come out and have a really solid performance. We saw him kind of get worked in this past week. And as we all know, Sterling Shepard is out on IR with that turf toe. He's going to miss several games. Golden Tate last season thrived um, when Sterling Shepard was out. Golden Tate was a wide receiver too last year in terms of points per game. And people don't realize that. Um, so he's got a really high floor. I think Daniel Jones is going to be funneling the ball to Golden Tate, to Darius Slayton, to Evan Ingram with Saquon Barkley out as well. So if you have Golden Tate on your bench, I think he could actually be a pretty good plug-and-play guy this week. Might not quite have the upside of a Darius Slayton, um, but he could get you, you know, 12, 15 points and not even score a touchdown. So a lot worse. You, there's a lot worse guys you could plug in at the wide receiver spot. And to me, Golden Tate is a pretty safe option. I like that. I like this as a safe option, even like a desperation wide receiver too. If you have three good yeah. running backs uh, and are dealing with some some injuries too, Kenny Galladay, Adams, Julio, whoever it might be. So I like that pick there. Let me throw out my next deep shot, my last one here. And it's it's really like this shouldn't be a deep shot because this guy's heavily rostered. But I, I want to throw this out there, especially after last week, my deep shot of the week. And I'm, I'm low-key kind of taking a victory lap on this one. It's Leonard Fournette. <laughs> It's Leonard Fournette. The whole deep. premise with this take. This is a slap a in the face shot, to my Rojo here. love. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe. But last week on 43% of snaps, uh, in, a, in a great matchup, Leonard Fournette had 27 fantasy points, two touchdowns on the ground, 12 rushes for 103 yards, saw five targets through the air and caught four of them for only 13 yards. But... The, the whole premise here is Leonard Fournette, there's a range of outcomes where he comes in and is the primary back on the first snap, and Ronald Jones is really just a breather back. Uh, and all the, the goal line work's going to Fournette. The passing game work is going to Fournette. I know LaShawn McCoy will be in there, uh, and Fournette really hasn't been the most efficient guy in the passing game, but he'll give you a little bit of a boost in PPR. If you're in a tough spot, like I'm in a matchup in one of my leagues where I'm deciding between Tyler Boyd and Leonard Fournette, 
in my flex spot. And I'm going to go with Boyd because I feel pretty confident in this matchup. But if I was against a team that had a completely loaded roster and I needed some boom upside here, I would say throw Leonard Fournette into the lineup. He's a guy that you throw him in there as an upside shot, take the gamble. I'm saying if you need it, do it because I've been debating it in a lot of places. I think Fournette could have an incredible week. We've seen the breakaway runs. They don't make him like Fournette. As far as I'm concerned, he is a running back unicorn. A physical set specimen with size and speed and hands to get it done. There is a world, like I said, where he is the primary workhorse back over Ronald Jones. This was like the one opportunity that Bruce Arians needed to say, hey, Jones, we're going to put you to the side here. It's Lenny time. So that's my take on Fournette as a deep shot of the week. Deep shots. I'm not saying I'm projecting this to happen or anything. I'm just taking the gamble. And I'm saying if you want to take the gamble too, let's do it together because I'm all in. We'll, we'll see who takes the victory laps. Uh, in our week three recap early next week. But guys, thank you all so much for listening and watching. That does it for today's show. If you like what we're doing here, please hit that subscribe button. That is huge for us. A like is always appreciated as well. And we'll see y'all next time. Peace.